Dr. Marketing Tips, paging Dr. Marketing Tips. Dr. Marketing Tips, you're needed in the marketing department. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast, your prescription to the answers you seek to grow your medical practice easier, better, and faster. This show is all about connecting practice administrators and medical marketing professionals with peers working in practices, learning from experiences, making mistakes, and sharing successes. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. I'm Corey, one of your hosts for this crazy little labor of love that we've got here. And uh, with me today is a very special guest. I've got Jacqueline Jackie Bain of the Florida Healthcare Law Firm. So welcome, Jackie. Hi, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Happy to have you. Um, so Jackie is part of a select group of Florida licensed attorneys with both deep healthcare industry experience and a certification in healthcare compliance by the Healthcare Compliance Association. Her background focus is on corporate transactions for healthcare providers and businesses. And she graduated from the State University of New York at Albany and the State University of New York at Buffalo Law School. So for today's episode, we asked our loyal listeners, that's you guys, to submit your questions regarding everything HIPAA, and we thought we would have Jackie answer. So with that said, Jackie, you ready to go? I'm ready. Hit me. Let's do it. All right. So Charlotte in Florida asked, we were discussing the idea of sending a specific campaign to folks we know had a cosmetic procedure and then following up with automated messages to try to get them to convert into doing another procedure. So is that a HIPAA violation because we're leveraging their health data to market a procedure? So this is a pretty complicated question. Um, you know, true to lawyer style, I'm going to say maybe. Um, <laughs> the, the answer really depends on um, the other procedure. If you're trying to leverage them uh, into a second procedure, is there a financial reason uh, why you're leveraging them to do that? For instance, is uh, if it's a second procedure that includes Botox, is Botox giving you some financial incentive to, uh, to do the second procedure? Um, if there is no financial incentive directly or indirectly, meaning you're not benefiting from it, uh, from it financially other than the patient paying for the procedure, then you're fine to follow up with an automated message uh, to try to bring them back into uh, wherever you're, you're treating them. Um, the second part of that is following up with an automated message. Um, and the uh, answer as to whether or not that violates HIPAA really depends on where you're leaving that automated message. Um, if you're going to be leaving it on a, a voicemail, uh, you're probably okay under HIPAA, but if you're going to be leaving it on something like a public answering machine, uh, it might not be necessarily something that the patient wants uh, you know, her husband to know about or her father to know about or, or anything like that. So uh, you have to use your common sense when you're leaving messages, uh, especially if they're automated messages, because it sounds a whole lot like there isn't a whole lot of thought going on as to how the patient will be affected by the automated message. Um, I would say follow up with someone uh, who's a person on the phone and is able to uh, chat with the, uh, the patient in order to see if that procedure is something he or she would like to do. Uh, if you leave an automated message, you just don't know who that message is going to. Uh, and if that message says something like, hey, you loved your first procedure, 
and we are uh, you know, offering a second procedure that's somewhat related to your first procedure, then that could be viewed as a potential violation of HIPAA. But again, it really focuses down on what, whether or not you know, your common sense would tell you if something's a HIPAA violation. I hear you. And just out of curiosity, so we were talking about automated phone messages there. Would the same thing apply to email? Yeah, so email is uh, not a, a safe form of communication under HIPAA. Um, if you're going to be emailing your current patients because of something that they've had done in the past, that's a form of communication that has to be uh, encrypted from end-to-end -end communication under HIPAA. So that means that uh, only the person sending and the person receiving understand what they're, uh, what they're seeing. Gotcha. Okay, very cool. Okay, so... Hopefully that'll help Charlotte there. So uh, let's see, Denise in Florida as well. She says, uh, what types of messages are acceptable to send in monthly email newsletters? Oh, there's email right there. Uh, is just sending an, emails, an email newsletter by itself a HIPAA violation? So sending an email newsletter by itself is uh, not normally a HIPAA violation. Uh, the only way it could be a HIPAA violation is, again, if you're receiving any sort of financial remuneration, anything at all in return for you sending that email out. So you've got someone sponsoring your email um, or something like that. If you've got someone uh, giving you something of value in order to be on the email. So, um, you know, if it's a local business who says, hey, if I can write something for your email newsletter, um, you know, I will give you something, you know, money off your next car wash or something like that. Like that um, so and it's not to say you can't market under HIPAA if you choose to do it and you're receiving anything that uh, that is of value while you're marketing your patients have to have given you consent in order to receive that communication mm -hmm. so um, most times people put it not only in it's got to be in your notice of privacy practices that you give your patients when they first come into your office but generally, there's another document that your patients should sign saying, uh, I'm, I'm okay with marketing. If you have that signed document for every patient who receives your email newsletter, then you can go ahead and receive financial incentives in order for uh, sending out the newsletter. But until uh, you have that document signed, if you're receiving anything of value in return for uh, placement in the email newsletter, then you need to have uh, the, the document signed. So what I'm hearing is if you're doing a sort of practice newsletter in, in any way, if you're just announcing a new location, maybe you wrote a new blog post for the website, that's totally fine. Totally fine. Gotcha. Now, one more thing, no patient information in the newsletter, <laughs> um, uh, you know, unless that patient has given you consent to be featured. Of course. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's go to Matthew in Georgia. He said, uh, we've been doing patient testimonials and having them sign a video waiver, but he wants to know if that's enough. So he asked, by signing this waiver for the video, does that also give us permission to include the image studies and chart information and everything sort of associated with that case, if deemed necessary, for the patient testimonial he's working on? So the answer to that is probably not. Um, having a, a patient sign a testimonial and a video waiver doesn't necessarily mean that the patient understands that their entire chart might be visible or, or portions of their chart might be visible to the public who's uh, you know, on the receiving end of that video. Um, in an ideal world, your video waiver would have something along the lines of, and I, you know, you can use my entire medical record uh, 
as you know as a backup uh, to this video testimonial. Um, the I, I always caution against testimonials um, where the healthcare provider asks the patient to uh, participate because you know being a healthcare provider puts you in a unique position to have uh, a influence over your patients and using that influence in order to uh, promote your business is not uh, something that is viewed kindly by uh, regulators, uh, HIPAA and state regulators in general. Um, what I like to say to people who want to use patient testimonials is to have a sign or something like that in your waiting room that says, uh, we love patient testimonials. Uh, if you're interested, please uh, approach us and ask. So that way the patient has the option of asking to participate or not, rather than being in an uncomfortable situation where somebody asks them to participate um, and them having to say yes or no. And if they're volunteering, I would imagine that they are more than willing to share, you know, whatever information that they have. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think for them to say, yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and have, uh, you know, use my face and my likeness, but I don't want you sharing but, what I've done uh, is not necessarily something that, that, that they would want. Uh, <laughs> that you would want. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's stay on the, uh, the uh, video release topic. And we've got a question here from Maureen and she says following a video or photo shoot with a patient, how long do I actually need to keep the releases? I would keep the releases for as long as you're using the video. Um, you want to make sure that the, uh, you know, you have the backup in place. If somebody comes back and says, I don't want, I didn't want that. I didn't want whatever you're using. You can say, well, you signed the release um, and you have it on hand. Releases are, they don't take up a lot of memory in your uh, computer file. So, um, I would keep them for at least as long as you're using the video and probably for a couple years afterward, just in case you're, uh, you're approached and you can show that you're protected. Okay, great. And this one comes from Debbie in Florida. She says, do data breaches count as HIPAA violations? Absolutely. <laughs> believe that somebody has been in your files and you did not give them permission or that it's not uh, necessary for their job for them to be in your files uh, that would likely be uh, counted as the HIPAA breach by the uh, Office for Civil Rights which is a division of Health and Human Services. So in addition to the fact that uh, you had this data breach and you've got to track that down, <laughs> it only gets worse because of the HIPAA violation. <laughs> That's true. It only gets worse. Uh, and just, just so everybody is aware, uh, most states also have uh, mini HIPAA or a state version of HIPAA here in Florida. It's called the Florida Information Protection Act. Um, so you not only have to report to OCR if you've got a data breach or a HIPAA violation, uh, you also need to report to wherever your state tells you to report as well. And often the state timelines are a lot tighter than the federal timelines. So you want to be sure as soon as you recognize you have a breach, you want to get uh, legal help involved to determine exactly who you need to report to and how you need to report. So in other words, good luck and Godspeed. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot and it can be really overwhelming, um, but there are consultants and attorneys out there to help you through it. You don't have to go through it alone. Data breaches are happening um, with increasing frequency uh, and you, know, you want to make sure that uh, you are on top of your obligations. Uh, you should have a policy and a procedure in place of how you deal with a data breach. Um, it's actually required under HIPAA. So you want to make sure that you know exactly 
uh, who you contact, when you contact them, uh, and, and what happens next once a data breach uh, happens in your business. Hey guys, Corey here, co-host of the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast, and I wanted to interrupt this episode just for a minute to tell you about Insight Training Solutions. So Insight Training Solutions is an ongoing employee engagement and training platform for your medical practice, meaning employees can log on and take these medical practice-specific trainings whenever and wherever they are. And each training is meant to increase employee engagement, improve practice reputation, and develop some patient service mindsets. If we're being honest, something that we all know some of the employees may lack. Not uh, calling anybody out by name, but uh, one of the cool things about Insight Training Solutions is they're always developing new content. And they just released 10 Steps to a Phenomenal Patient Experience, where you'll learn how to create a phenomenal patient experience, strengthen job security, and discover customer service secrets for your entire team. So this course is in addition to the other ones they already have, which include communication across generations and how to understand today's multi-generational workforce and how to develop overall patient experience. This is another course, the new approach to customer service. We've also got eight ways to wow patients and you can sign up for a free trial to see what everything is about uh, at insighttrainingsolutions.io that's insighttrainingsolutions.io or just google insight training solutions you'll be glad you did so for this next question i thought this was funny it was actually um i don't remember what the email was but there was no name associated with it and uh it it's, fu- it's funny how they worded the, uh, the response here. You'll hear it. So <laughs> hypothetically, right. if I didn't have a HIPAA compliant uh, business associate agreement with a vendor when they started, but I got one signed six months later, are we okay? And also, does the vendor share any of the blame or does it fall all on us? Okay. So hypothetically if you (laughs) have a business associate agreement with someone and you later put one in place uh, the business associate agreement is generally effective from the date that you sign it Uh, so the date that you sign it you're okay Uh, prior to it uh, is it's questionable um, and it's hard for me to ask if you're okay or to tell you if you're okay or not because I don't know what your vendor was doing with that information that you were giving them access to while, uh, while you were not under a business associate agreement with them. Uh, you definitely want to ask them for assurances of some kind in writing that they were treating your, uh, uh, your protected health information or your business's protected health information with, uh, with the due care and process that they needed to uh, ha- had you had a business associate agreement in place the whole time. Uh, the vendor does share blame. Uh, actually, in 2013, HIPAA was updated so that business associates take just as much of blame as uh, covered entities do or healthcare providers do under HIPAA. So, um, so there is blame on both sides to, to be laid there. But uh, most importantly for your business, you want to make sure you have an assurance in writing that your vendor was proper with the information before you had the business associate agreement in place. So hypothetically, anonymous might be in trouble. It sounds like. <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> anonymous, uh, you're probably going to want to talk to somebody about getting something in writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, uh, Dan from Texas asks, uh, or he says rather, 
my docs sometimes text PHI back and forth on their phones. I know that's a HIPAA violation, but how can I get them to stop? Any cool. advice there? So this is something that we run across all the time. Uh, uh, doctors, uh, they, they know about HIPAA, they know enough to be scared about HIPAA, but when it comes down to practice, it's just easier for them to text around images uh, or anything like that so that the patients are treated a little faster. Mm. The only reason or the only way you can get them to stop is by putting a policy in place and disciplining them for continuing to violate that policy, whether that means you're holding up pay or you're um, you're putting notes to file. Uh, repeated violations of HIPAA actually increase your sanctions if OCR ever comes in and says, hey, you've reported a breach or somebody complained about a breach. Let us look through everything else that's ever happened in your business. And you're able to show that you knew your doctors were texting back and forth and did nothing about it. It actually increases your level of culpability, which increases your uh, potential penalties under HIPAA. So uh, you get them to stop by scaring them to stop. <laughs> and uh, the, the other thing is a lot of uh, software is out there now, apps and things like that, that allow for HIPAA compliant text messaging. It's a little bit more onerous than the text messaging you have on your regular cell phone, but it's an easy way for physicians and, and uh, nurse practitioners and, and PAs to text, uh, to text photos and, and things like that around uh, without actually violating HIPAA. Definitely worth the investment there. Definitely. Yeah. HIPAA, I mean, you know, people see the fines for HIPAA, they're huge. Um, and they are uh, absolutely, uh, they will put a, a physician practice out of business, especially if your level of culpability is increased because you didn't actually uh, do what you needed to do under HIPAA uh, the whole time. So, so you want to make sure that uh, you're on top of it and, and your doctors understand that this isn't a game, you know, uh, pay, treating patients is obviously their first priority, but second priority is, is safeguarding the information that their patients choose to give them a full picture. Uh, you know, a patient always wants to give a full picture of their health and uh, to their physicians in order to give, uh, to get the best treatment. And if they don't feel comfortable doing that because they're afraid it's going to get out uh, because the doctor's not safeguarding it appropriately, it really interferes with the doctor-patient relationship. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so Lauren here in South Carolina, she says, uh, sometimes our therapists will pose with patients once they've completed all their rehab. So we can post that story on social media. The patients consent, but we don't have photo releases for everyone. So should we delete the ones we don't have signed consent for, even though the patient agreed, was happy, and is no longer in our care? Some of those are years old. Yes. Yes, you should. Um, you know, it, a patient's consent can be given orally. The problem with oral consent is there's no record of it. So if the patient does come back and say, you know, what are, why are you still using my photo? My life circumstances have changed. I was really happy when I gave you that oral consent, but now I'm not happy. I don't want you, you know, I want you to take it down. I can't believe the people in my community might've seen that. Um, you want to make sure that you've got the, the written consents in place. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. All right. So Patty in Louisiana says, I recently heard some staff gossiping about a patient within earshot of other patients. I don't think they used her name, but is this a HIPAA violation if someone can put two and two together? Yes, it is. Um, you want to absolutely make sure that your staff understands, again, that they are you know, dealing with patients who are dealing with real life. Uh, so if you know, you're in a small town and 
you're using patient names, uh, full names within earshot of other patients, you are absolutely uh, putting yourself at risk of a complaint to OCR. Okay, next question. This comes from Kevin in Florida, and he says, is it okay if a physician responds directly to a Yelp review? So the answer to that is no. Um, actually, within the last couple of months, OCR did fine a physician for uh, responding to a Yelp review uh, about his services because he answered with uh, one, confirming that the pa patient wasn't one of his patients, and two, he responded with a little bit of the patient's treatment information. So what he did was he actually took the patient's PHI and put it right out there on Yelp, uh, even if just to respond to the Yelp review that came uh, that came his way. Uh, I always say if you get a bad review, uh, the, the best way to respond to that is with customer service. So you or your staff should really reach out to the patient and see if there's something you can do to clear up the discrepancy and hopefully they'll go take the review down. And do you think it's okay to post a like HIPAA compliant response that doesn't use any PHI or would you advise against that as well? There really isn't any compliant way to respond because as soon as you confirm that person is a patient, you've given up the PHI. So uh, so really there just isn't a good way to respond and I would just say, don't do it. Alrighty, and then the last question that we've got here, this is from Ashley in Florida and she says, we're running a digital remarketing ad that advertises our fertility practice. Is that a HIPAA violation? And for those of you listening that don't know, a uh, remarketing campaign is basically um, following someone who's visited your website, but they didn't complete a goal. So for example, if you wanted um, appointment requests or phone calls to count as a goal, someone goes to your website, they don't do one of those things. You can track them with a, a pixel and then give them an ad. You're probably familiar with that. If you've been to Amazon, you maybe looked at a pair of shoes and then did not buy the shoes and they kind of follow you around everywhere. Um, so Ashley's asking, is this okay to do for her fertility practice? Yeah, that's totally fine. The patient hasn't established a physician-patient relationship with you at that point, so there's no uh, requirement for you to safeguard their data. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so we're just about out of time for today's episode. Jackie, if our listeners want to connect with you, how should they go about doing that? Sure. So uh, my law firm is located in Delray Beach, but we uh, service clients all over the United States. Uh, you can call us. It's 561-455-7700, or our website is www.floridahealthcarelawfirm.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us today, and I, I think we really learned a lot. Great. I'm so happy to help. All right. So that'll do it for now. Thanks again, everyone, for uh, everyone who submitted a question. and took the time to tune in to this episode of the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the DrMarketingTips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Doctor's Orders.